Yeah, I mean, that's a, you're very right to pick out on all those elements, and they all are very disparate elements, but they come from a central point. And really, the interest for me was about fairy tales, which came from a short film called Who's Afraid of the Water Sprite, which was actually won Slovenia, which Hilary saw. Um, and that is the origins of my fascination, is these folkloric stories that we tell ourselves and each other, um, C.S. Lewis calling them love, like a love gift to ch children, so sort of almost educational but what I then became fascinated with I made Who's Afraid of the Water Sprite when I was about 19 and part of my journey as a kind of someone who loves storytelling is that well people like Angela Carter and the Bloody Chamber like where you take the idea of a story a fairy tale and you start to subvert it so you know fairy tales often have a female protagonist and Angela Carter does an amazing job with taking a the structure of a very traditional tale mm. and saying, you know, like, you know, men don't come and save the day or the mother does or like the, her version of the Bloody Chamber is, is that. And that was hugely inspiring. I actually found her work through um, the Neil Jordan film, The Company of Wolves, and because mm. I love Pan's Labyrinth, and it just sort of led me into watching all these films. And then, of course, if you look to make a film um, set in this period and set in this landscape, you, you enter a world of the sublime where you are looking at romanticist paintings um, be them German or British or Italian or what have you and of course you are looking at Thomas Hardy and you are finding these sort of pastoral uh, rich landscape storytellers or image makers to inspire you because as much as it started as a fairy tale it really became about my personal experience growing up on a farm which might sound odd but you know there was a quarry growing or digging up the land that I grew up on mm. constantly changing it and I could even as a child you sort of sense that feeling of capitalist power shaping the landscape that you live in mm. um, so all of my interests and all of my kind of personal experiences growing up sort of just fused into this thing <laughs> that yeah became yeah, Gwen like a personal story I mean I feel like watching that and somebody also like I grew up in quite like a isolated rural community and it feels very authentic I think yeah. some elements yeah. are quite shocking to people, especially mm -hmm. in terms of animals. But I grew up, you know, you'd go outside and you'd hear weird noises, which are basically like foxes mating. Mm. Not know what the hell it was. Yeah, it was creepy was. as a child in bed. Yeah. 
it's still creepy. And then you'd go out and all the chickens had been killed and you'd just like, it was a feathery bloody massacre outside. And, and like in Girl from a Farm, there's just an understanding of relationship with nature and how nature can be terrifying mm. that I wanted to portray in this. And I mm. think specifically people maybe who, who aren't from rural communities, like I think like any kind of um, death towards animals is upsetting, but particularly I think if you come from a rural background, you kind of understand that as a part of nature and the terrifying mm. part of nature. Um, but yeah, also I find this film a little, so I, there's so many films that I love and I put on for friends, I put on for family, and then we get halfway in and they all look at me like, oh, the film you picked is a bit weird. Imagine that, but you've made it. Um, you, it's like, you put all of these things into this melting pot and then and then you realize, wow, that's, that's what was made, okay. <laughs> Great. Segue <laughs> so to my next, que next question, which is for Hilary. And um, you started working with William and his work on doing his short Film, um, so, did you watch that film um, and think, who has made this? <laughs> what, what have yes, you found? Yes, I did. I, <laughs> it, um, it was a defining moment because it was a student film festival, and I went to just to to help. Um, and there was this film that was so beautiful, and the use of landscape was so extraordinary and imaginative. And then Will actually won the film of the year. So, and it was the inaugural year of the festival, which in fact subsequently was named after the film, the Schools mm -hmm. Award Despite Film Festival, um, and is now 10 years old. But when Will came up to accept his award, uh, somebody said to him, you know, how did you make it? And it was very clear that he hadn't really known the whole aspect of production, so that first ABs and things. And <laughs> and um, <laughs> and they said, well, how did you do it? And he said, well, I, I told the story. And I thought, gosh, you know, to tell a story as beautifully and evocatively that at, at such a young age, this is somebody I've got to follow. So mm -hmm. 10 years later, we made the film mm -hmm. together. It's a long process, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And definitely learning from yourself and learning from working with film Wales and the BFI. This script wasn't written overnight. It was an evolution, wasn't mm -hmm. it? So it wasn't long that you had that kind of an idea of the feature at that point, even when you had the story? Yes. Well, I don't know. Yeah, you'd said, I love the way you photograph Slovenia, but obviously you have a connection and love for Snowdonia. You said, have you, you know, go and have an explore around Snowdonia. So it then became an experience of going and staying in cottages in Berchtesgoid and walking around and finding things like the valley with the monolithic rock in the middle, which then informed mm. the story. But it was definitely this wasn't a crystallised thing in my head overnight. It was a step-by-step step evolution. Also, it was learning of craft and with it started doing commercials and then television and mm. they were getting bigger and bigger. So interspersed with that, writing the script. So it wasn't a 10-year writing, it was real, real work as well. But working so with actors taught me a lot about storytelling and writing. So, you know, when you're working, you're trying to think how is how is Mark seeing this scene mm. um, when you're working with it, seeing it through your actor's eyes? And then as a writing process, that's what you're trying to do as well. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I've set the first draft of it, it was awful. <laughs> I'd hate to show it to anyone. Well, we, we don't <laughs> need to. What have sort of attracted you to working with um, like a first time film director or, in, or in any independent film director? I can see David, you've said it a little bit. Mm. With independent filmmakers, so what attracts you 
When I read it, yes, I, w I was uh, mm -hmm. intrigued by it, and uh, and uh, my agent told me that William was a really brilliant director. So, <laughs> <laughs> and did you watch the short? Okay. I haven't seen the short. Okay. But uh, I encourage everyone to watch it because I watched it on YouTube. Mm. And I, I will watch it. It's terrible. Uh, it's so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I I thought, I, and I, this is the first time I've seen it on on my mm. iPod, on my iPad. Mm. So. First time I've seen it on on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. No, it's not me. It's <laughs> oh, sorry, and um, and uh, but uh, I love the fact that uh, William takes his time and mm. and, and has the courage to not rush it. Mm. You know, I, I I I'm always drawn to films like that, and 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 I think I could see that in the script. Really, mm. you know that, um, I, and that it gets. Um, bleaker and bleaker, you know, and it doesn't pull any punches and that, you know, that brutality gets bigger and, and more intense and, and there's no let up, you know, I, I like that and I love, and that's what I saw in the script, I think, you know, and, that, and so I think the, certainly the script I received is very true to what, what I've seen tonight. Mm. Yeah, know, by know. the end you've mm. lost a lot of work that's kind of reached the point where, mm. but um, I also think uh, the BFI and Film Wales and Great Ball Media um, very supportive in terms of making this type of film. And I know it's a challenging film and only for a certain audience and not, mm. you know, we're going out the same day as The Lion King. I don't think Disney <laughs> need to worry. Um, <laughs> but it, you can only make this type of experimental, challenging film, I feel, at this budget level with the support of the people we work with. Mm. Mm. Um, so you can't, I kind of just had to take that opportunity because next time, if more money maybe comes more of a commercial-minded nature, mm. I think. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> at the end of this film, uh, th there was a photograph, because it was it was that bleak, you know, that was the thing. It was that muddy, it was that cold, and mm. it was that bleak. That's all real, you know. It's not. Mm. There's nothing CGI'd into that. <laughs> and uh, at the end, there was a photograph of all the crew, and they were all covered in mud up to their waists, <laughs> virtually. They really said like these people gave so you know so much mm. to this film you know in this really difficult landscape you know and I, I remember seeing that picture and thinking that's exactly the uh, the kind of commitment they give to it you know and and, and as William said you know when you've got a small budget you have to have that you know it has to be that kind of team effort you know and particularly when you're in a landscape like that. It, it, it was, you know, it wasn't an easy shoot, was it? You know? No, no, not well, at all. Let's, let's talk about the shoot. So you shot in Snowdonia in November. In November. So any, <laughs> well, I can, any complaints I make, I, we just deserve it. Like, we <coughs> freak out. Like, what are we thinking? But, mm. um, but you didn't want leaves on trees. Skeletal trees, that mm. was a brief. Um, mm. But also, uh, something interesting happened. If you're making a film about nature and the terror in the landscape, the landscape's going to terrorise you. So, you know, we we had three occasions where we had to stop filming. One for 70 mile an hour winds where we had to bring all the lights down. One, because uh, we lost the location because it flooded. And another time it just, just snowed um, and nothing matched. Um, and didn't you buy flamethrower from Amazon to try and melt some of it, but then we, we weren't allowed to do that because it's not environmentally friendly. <laughs> um, I mean like, I we're doing what? To, yeah. Yeah. I know we're recording this. That didn't happen. Yeah. Can we just... Um, yeah. Um, but what one fascinating thing that does happen is, so the scene where Una goes out with the lantern at night mm. was supposed to be 
the script there actually was more extensive and the sheep are spooked and they're running around and there's something else out there but uh, the horse is spooked but she can't see it I love the animal consent thing that you can't mm. I always found that very creepy um, but it was just a blanket of snow and you couldn't see anything and you knew it was going to stop snowing in half an hour because it's so changeable mm. so we just went well she goes out and she can't hear anything in the snow but you know, that's production value and that's nature speaking to you so we did quite often mm. change to roll with the weather because it was giving us something we were improvising with the mm. climate I think also I mean we are the director which and the writer and director thank goodness it's both because we have to be creative mm. and when the, the the Griffith farm which you saw at the beginning when the family had died that was the farm that was flooded out and I went down there with a line producer and we literally we had to beg the production, the construction team to leave because there they were with miners' lamps on trying to keep going in case the flood cleared in time for us to get in there. And I had to really be strict <laughs> and say, you have to go now. This is not safe. Mm. And sure enough, within half an hour, they closed the road and the whole valley flooded. So William then had to think, okay, how can we change the schedule? What, who's around? Which actors have we got? Where can we shoot next? How can I adapt the scenes? And we did, because we had to keep shooting. Um, so you have to be on your toes a bit. But the good thing, and I definitely to any um, uh, young filmmakers, uh, is that if you make your first film in primarily one location, you have a lot of flexibility there. And unit moves and traveling and moving to different locations is a nightmare. Because if you drop something, you can't pick it up the next day. So if you're, if you're a first time filmmaker, set the odds in your favor you know, keep mm. it a contained cast, keep it into as much as one location as possible. Mm. I love a good chamber play. Balancing that with landscape is then difficult because you're trying to put the landscape in. Mm. But that definitely helped us. I think that was useful, useful to have. And was that, a was that something that maybe the, the designer working for um, for Miriam, that was it a first time shooting for you are trying to have them trying to scale back um, because budget is it? So was it something that when they were trying to think initially and George were saying, encouraging you to do not really budget you had to make it for yeah. but one you know one of the things is that for the crew it's fine we you know I, I didn't take about eight layers of clothes off for a month <laughs> even after we'd wrapped and they all would laugh at me going through Soho you know <laughs> but I mean for you in period costumes mm. that must have been yeah. it was tough because we're all standing in our north face and you're mm. all well at least I, I had a top hat you were not <laughs> 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 The women, any, yeah, any women. Oh my yeah. God, women are so cool. Yeah, yeah. There's some, uh, there's some really great behind-the-scenes footage. Uh, Eleanor and Jody both had these um, teddy bear furry hoodies. So the Imperial costume with these massive like teddy bear furry things on, and layers of that. So keeping everyone warm was a constant challenge. Mm -hmm. and there was lots of thermals underneath there, but still freezing cold. Mm. But actually, those things aren't um, budgetary. Uh, Sure, if you can bring your budget down, you're more likely to get to make the film and you're more likely to have more control. But it's about process and creativity. And I think it is about, you know, I, I shooting chronologically, being able to be flexible, having time to experiment, you know, having an hour at the end of the day that's set aside to just find things that weren't planned to be inspired by the actors. Or there was one moment with Richard Harrington, we let him go, and a new joke that you could tell him that you want him back. And then I had an idea and I was like, and then we do want him back. But he didn't know whether we were joking or not. <laughs> and he was like, am I getting back his costume? We're like, please. 
Um, so I know that's part of the fun. And, you know, in TV drama, you, I, which I love doing, and I'm doing some at the moment, mm-hmm. it's dark materials, <laughs> those gentlemen. Um, <laughs> you know, you're, you're telling a story that's written by another writer, <coughs> and it's got uh, high stakes with the executives behind it with their specific idea, and you're fulfilling their vision. So you can't be as flexible. You are still having to respond to issues, but but on um, I I love that process of discovery, finding things, and you know the, the it's sunny outside. Let's run and get this, or it started snowing. Let's change that. Mm. Um, you know that that was part of the fun, and I think the process does create the end. You know, really does have an impact. How you set about philosophically to make something, mm. like what's your philosophy behind doing this? How are you approaching it? really forms the end result. Mm. Do you think there's a, a problem with flexibility that between female leads who's playing the whole film um, and I suppose against the sort of villainous pack of <laughs> men that are sort of living a lot of their homes? Um, so how did you go about crossing that feeling between the leads? M- most of the roles were straight offers. Mm. Um, Richard I'd already worked with before and I, I always imagined that you sort of m- bent your arm a bit, I don't know. But <laughs> like, um, so, you know, I remember being locked in the Endor uh, photocopy office talking to Mark on the phone, um, you know, about the film. Because, you know, with these guys, it's about, you know, they'll be great and you want them, so you just offer it straight to them. Um, Max Dean the same. And especially because of, I think, you know, she's been in folk bands. She has, we actually were bidding against her at a charity auction for uh, designs by the production designer for seance in the wet afternoon and we were doing it under a code name because we knew she would hate us for doing it and then she realised it was us at this dinner and came over and said if you don't stop I will not do any publicity for your film <laughs> so we stopped bidding against her and she w- she won the auction for the artwork for seance in the wet afternoon but the point being we have the same taste in terms mm. of the type type of stories we want to tell and also obviously politically I think she's very in line with the f- she's like you want to make an anti-capitalist folk story? Yes. Um, so, and it's funny. There was even there's an actor uh, who we've both worked with before, and we were talking about hey, we're making this film, and there's this mother character, and he said very wisely, "You've got to have Maxine Peake." And we're like, "Mm-hmm." Uh, like, yeah, we can't possibly couldn't possibly say whether that's a good idea or not. Like, is that where we're going? Um, and then with with Eleanor, <coughs> the funny thing is like. I'm 31 now, she's 16, she's more experienced than I am, like, you know, she was Matilda on stage, won an Olivier award for it when she was like eight, mm. BAFTA nominated by like 12, um, I was learning from her, mm. so you know, there's, at that age specifically, there's a, you know, very short list of actors who, you know, you can cast, and we did, you know, round Carnarvon and Banger, meet young actresses, um, uh, and in a different film, they would all have been fantastic, but I feel like in this, she had to do so much heavy carrying. Mm. We needed a, a very experienced actress. Um, mm. And, and she, you know, she leads the way on screen, but also on set. She was so positive and bubbly and, you know, mm. she was really inspirational on mm. a daily basis, wasn't she? She mm. actually was a real leader. Yeah. To be a 16-year-old leader is pretty impressive. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, and in terms of the mood of the film, she just always carries that in her yeah. face. She fear. never complained once. And no. we had to resolve issues at least three times because the mud seeped stuff in them. So, you know, obviously we did everything we could to, to keep them everybody warm and the actresses then could go to stay there. But she would refuse to she go would, there as well. Yeah. She would just like have the nap time. on her bed on set, on the actual bed. Mm-hmm. Um, she was wonderful looking after Mary as well, who'd never done yeah. 
Jody, yeah. yeah. Um, it's their last day together. They just described it to me. Um, <laughs> they got on very well. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just the bonding. It was that much rehearsal time. Yeah, but the, re the rehearsals weren't really running the lines. It was more we went uh, climbing, mm. and I'm not very good with heights. So though Jody loved climbing, so it was like great. We get to go climbing, awesome. Um, and Eleanor and her are climbing up this thing to jump off, and then they're making me do it. And I get it's the best. I advise this if you'd like to um, level yourself with your chil child actors, <laughs> let them jump off a great height with no worry, and then you can't do it and have to <laughs> climb down in shame, because um, they're just like, oh, it's just you know. We can, doesn't yeah. matter, director, whatever, you know, we could jump off any good. It was really intentional and tactical, though. Um, yeah, it was a good leveler. We just had we just had fun, and, like, they got to know each other, and we, we were baking, and well, the irony of that is I felt I'd introduced Jodie to Maxine, so she wouldn't be intimidated by this scary character on set, but it wasn't until, so she met Maxine, like, blonde hair and being, you know, very friendly with her, and then meets this person on set with the long, dark, mm. uh, like, um, hair and just doesn't realise it's the same per person for two weeks so <laughs> my introduction <laughs> rehearsals there <but laughs> all that time we spent baking weren't really um, but yeah it's much more about setting a, a feeling between everyone and then getting to know each other mm. historical research as well uh, with Bernie Christini or going to the uh, mining museum there's more research and getting to know each other mm. uh, but the other thing in terms of hope I think Eleanor brings that and I know it is I've spent a lot of Q&A standing up for it going it's not 100% like depressing like there is hope you know the mother has sacrificed herself she she now knows that her mother loves her and it's not she's not a monster she, her mother's the hero she's a you know she has become a martyr and Eleanor Eleanor's character Gwen now knows that mm. and is you know stepping into her mum's shoes so there is sort of love and positivity there and I think Eleanor is, was able to play that with just hope in her eyes otherwise the film would become too sad uh, and, and she understands why her mother um yeah. Didn't tell her the truth about her dad. Yeah, mm. she passes that on to. Yeah, exactly. She carries sister. on the, mm. Mm. On the lie, mm. which I don't think is a. It's not just a personal story to me. I think that's a universal thing. And yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, lots of people. Yeah. Mark's point was thinking about um, how it was sort of playing one of the baddies mm. <laughs> and being you know the capitalist thing. So how mm. did you what did you, did you do any research? <laughs> <laughs> did you do any research into that period and or you just sort of came in? It was, uh, you know, he was. Opposed to being in that. <laughs> no redeeming feature. You're, you're in, and in the landscape, you're already like immersed in the role. Totally immersed in the role. We were, because we were in a, you know, we were in an actual church. We were in, you know, an actual stone cottage and an actual quarry. And, you know, it was, uh, we, we, you didn't need your imagination. It was all there in front mm. of you, you know. And, and uh, the, the Maxine and the girls were, you know, they just, they gelled so much. You just totally believed in in them as a family, you know, and, and um, yeah. But those those characters, those evil characters, are fantastic to play, you know. <laughs> <laughs> there is this brilliant montage of you in the Star Wars show, and there's just like all of your scenes. People <laughs> just react and like love seeing that type of character. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I I also think just in terms of the venture capitalists coming in at that yeah. period, you know. Northern Wales at that time had the lowest amount of homeowners per, like, you know, per uh, mm. square mile or what have you, because you come in and you maybe not force people off their lands in this way, because actually, unlike England, Scotland, um, in Wales, actually, very open-minded to witchcraft and folklore. It actually wasn't hunted down in the same way as 
mm. England, Scotland, but the um, that process of removing people from the land, be it buying their homes, what have you, do you then have the you know active workforce and you have the land to to work? Um, and I know there's been a lot in the papers recently just about like what the percentage is of ownership of you know the UK, mm. but mm. specifically in Wales at that time, you know these guys were coming in. Most of them, in fact, from Liverpool, Manchester. Mm. I mean, with the money, with the finances, to then just uproot everyone and make loads of money and set up all that. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> do, we, do we open up for audience questions? Um, at the auction, one of the things um, we spoke about to the Facebook was that that kind of with that quite specific event of the Euros in the second, but how much it will impact the decisions that come with the events of that event and what might happen later on. Yeah, so from the beginning of writing the feature version of the script, obviously the short being Slovenia, um, it was about embedding it in Wales, first off just reacting to the incredible landscape, mm -hmm. but then also just research about folk traditions and beliefs. And I know, I know I'm taking quite a lot of liberties with the storytelling here and the sort of gothic reimagining, but a lot of the little tiny touches like uh, finding out about the research that led us to remove it if there was misfortune with animals and one had died and you'd release the bad luck by carrying a skull through your and I'm fascinated by those folk beliefs and mm. why we do certain things and some of some of them didn't make it into the film like if you've got arthritis you fall asleep with potato tied to your hand but actually it works because you're improving the blood flow so there's things like that that I absolutely love and not all of it's explained it's just more mm. texture um, but yeah I think I think one of the things that I is the you know, we wanted to be historically accurate, but definitely um, in Wales, people are much more open-minded to like having having your own um, whether it's like a herbal remedy or whether it's like just your own little folk belief that you would have at that period. I think mm. it's much more open-minded. Whereas, you know, in in Scotland, England, it was almost about getting rid of midwives and like being able to take that that control of like. Um, birth whereas uh, yeah I think you know you think of the Pendle witch trials and that almost was more to do with Catholicism and how so I think that is one of the liberties we definitely took historically for sure especially you know in the industrial revolution so um, yeah I just used a lot of my interests hello There's a classic <laughs> producer. Um, it's 25 days, isn't it? Ladies and gentlemen, the producer of the Dark Materials is now wondering how many days we can take it to do. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the best. The problem we've got is actually how we sell the film. Like, yeah. uh, sorry, yeah. Um, uh, it's <laughs> like, yeah, like, um, 
is it is it horror or is it drama? And if you yeah. go in expecting a horror, you might be underwhelmed. But the thing is, as well, like I miss nothing worse than ever. Like, <laughs> But if you go in for horror and you spend 60 minutes going, this is just a bit unnerving, yeah. you might have left. Then they say it's not a horror. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, excuse me, this is, this is a full blown thriller, right? Yeah. I come One very nice thing that's a fun fact to tell people that our, our sound designer did was take the humming, take the lullaby, and mix it into the wind, like really slowed down. Um, yeah, I think when when creating a scare, the best thing to do sonically is to have absolute silence, then a little nudge, be it a creak or a you know a bit of wood creaking, and, li and you can almost feel the muscles pull on your ear, mm. and then you're alert, and then a little bit more silence, and then bang. Mm. Um, but the the um, the scream in this is actually the same scream as the short film, mm. which is a pig like yeah. running around. I come from a pig farm, so. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I was going to say about positioning. I think it's it's something that I think filmmakers at this similar level, like say first, second feature, give such a rich layout best, and Soul Ball is very clearly its own. I really know in that sort of balance between drama and and it's like just basically it's like a retelling of period or a, or a, or a time of story in a way that feels new and fresh and mm. is drawing audiences in. When you go and have meetings now with people who make big budget films and you're and they're you know, the conversation of, you know, making commercial films can look the thing is you, you can go and make what you know, the best producers in the world can often make what they think is a surefire commercial hit and it won't be. Mm. And some weird side project goes and like gets everyone's attention. So it's difficult. You kinda have to keep one eye on it, but at the same time, it's not no guarantee that if you're trying to make a commercial film that it will be commercially successful. Because mm. yeah. it does feel like very much your vision um, and you need to get across that um, that sense well, of I foreboding. It was very important to me and Tom Nash who produced it with me. We wanted Willie to have a chance to have his own voice. Mm. It was really important to us. We didn't want to start manufacturing mm. what might make it more popular. That wouldn't, that would have you just felt it because mm. Willie's voice is so authentic. It really is just that weirdly simple. took a little bit of getting used to because on um, you know I love making commercials and and long form drama, but you know often there's someone behind you making sure you've got the lines of dialogue or like you know you're it is I love that process, but you're 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 delivering something and the best you can make it for someone else really, um, and you step onto your film set and weirdly although that's what you've wanted to get away from you're like oh dear this is all on me um <laughs> it's like i can do whatever i want and i can change it and actually weirdly that 
having that freedom took me the first week to get used to it and actually it was the weather that gave me the excuse it was almost like it wasn't me it was divine intervention um and then i had to start riffing and then i got used to it again <laughs> um, but yeah it's sort of different yeah it's almost intimidating I think if they've been converted, the one so I've stayed in uh, those sort of the long barns like that yeah. where it would be part stray animals and part uh, where you'd live, and they, you know they're on Airbnb, <coughs> those yeah, holiday cottages. <laughs> yeah, we we did one of our locations we were considering we did actually just stay in as an oh Airbnb, yeah. um, but that one was used in a TV series like a factual TV series, Snowdonia eighteen ninety. And it was the exact same one, so they'd sort of renovated it a bit, and then the weather had reclaimed it, and it started to fall apart again. Um, and then we tarred it up again. Yeah, and that really was <laughs> Spielberg thing. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Which is already quite depressing. Yeah, that's true. Well, that was something he returned to the church until the very end. Um, when the two girls ran away from him, he thought, oh, I'll just give it a go. But I mean, the, through the whole thing, I, th I just found my own issues thinking, oh, I wouldn't have done this. No, no, I would, I would have, no, I would have fought for this. It would have been too legal. Was it? And I could see myself going in strongly and defending and thinking, why are they not doing it? Why have they not come? Why are they not taking them on to their own towns? Why are they, they delusion getting in the way and superstition getting in the way? And all these things were, you know, instilled at the very beginning. It just felt, yeah, just leave it, just go, just leave it. No, no, but it was just like it was painful through that because throughout the whole thing, I was thinking, calm, calm, just get calm, you know, do it right. You know, I thought, but then just at the end, I thought, oh, no, that's it, just leave. So I never tried, you know, so I just thought, oh, it's just a waste of time. The word, the word we used a lot was dread, and actually the original title was The Dark Outside, and that came from the idea of there's something out there in the dark outside, and you don't know what it is. Mm. Mm. Um, but that title might be misleadingly horror, said Ken Gwen. <laughs> <laughs> but the concept is still there, fearing what you don't understand, mm. what you don't know. Yeah, I yes. Um, yeah, yeah. The potato, rotten potato yeah, out of the yeah. fort is the blood on Satan's yeah, foreseen. Yeah. That's what I called it. Um, yeah. But um, and yeah, the un the unholy trilogy, um, Witchfinder General, uh, Wicker Man, and Blood on Satan's Floor, like hugely inspiring. And mm. I I follow a, a Facebook and Twitter account called Folklore Revival, mm, um, <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> um, so I soak that up. And any more, the more obscure now, the better for me. Like if it's some kind of um, it's like addictive, um, you know, if it's um, Czechoslovakian new wave psychedelic folk horror all <laughs> over it. <laughs> if it's like Valerie in a Week of Wonders or something like that. Do you think that the fascination for the folk horrors do they just all stem from those days? They tend not to, do they, really? Because it's about, yeah. about the land, yeah. and the land doesn't mm. attack straight away. It just sort of 
wakes you out in a really quite eerie way. Well, it's unconscious, so it's just like a a disaster. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's just reality is so different from the the reality that you see it in. Or, uh, well, from my experience also, that they rely on what's believed in them. Because it's a new sensation to the rest of your mind. Yeah, yeah, but but they were so easily pushed further, you know, and said, no, I don't have this. But that is one of the fine lines, though, as well. If you're telling a story about three women and they're under a lot of pressure, how much can they push back? Because you don't want to just be victimized, you know, there needs to be that strength there. But I feel like the way Maxine played that strength was just sort of resolute pride, and in the end, you're becoming this martyr Mm. figure. Um, I would love to do a, you know, Really, so the next film I'm writing is a mm-hmm. revenge story, and is someone. Yeah, and the message um, is hidden all over the world. It's yeah. not you yeah. yourself. That's the thing. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> there was a version of the ending <laughs> where yeah, yeah. we l- did look at that of like, well, what if she can? What if her thing is that, you know, she's able in order to protect her children, she's able to transcend into something else and become monstrous, but almost as a hero. There was a version that we looked at, um, but I think just being uh, honest to the very uh, angry perspective I had as a sort of a you know, slightly anti-capitalist point of view, that wouldn't have felt honest to what I was trying to say. But then the next film I'm writing called Gundog with Hillary is bizarrely about a poacher and a gamekeeper and the poachers have stolen badgers to use for badger baiting and this uh, gamekeeper goes on this sort of revenge mission to go get badgers back which is, you know, another heavily commercial film. Um, <laughs> but in that one, it's about, he's, you know, he's a John Wick, but it's not, he's rubbish. It's, it's more like John Wick with badgers is the pitch. Um, uh, yeah. um, but it's about, uh, that's actually more about, you know, he thinks he's Blue Ruin, or, or you would never really hear his name, you better can't. Um, but um, he thinks he's doing the right thing by going on this sort of full onslaught. And the thing that I've realised in writing is actually... You know, he realizes through the part, through the relationship he develops with um, a young veterinary nurse uh, that actually that's just being over masculine and ridiculous. And the best thing is balance. And all he does is let the badgers go, and he doesn't do anything terrible to the badger baiters, even though maybe he should. Well, he's pretty but terrible. We decided not to incinerate <laughs> him in the end. Um, yeah, but that, I I, I kind of like going against. Um, maybe Hollywood storytelling expectations yeah, a bit. But yeah. yeah. I think Hollywood has been storytelling badly. Yeah, but I mean, it's, you know, they're well, not the same thing. Yeah. Mm. Well, I know for me, that's what it is. Yeah. You have time for one more question. You have loads, and you can ask me tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Burning. Yeah. Mm. You enjoyed it, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> 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 I sort of did enjoy it. I think you did. Because uh, I knew it wasn't real. But uh, but you did so unchronologically for that was the last. Was that was towards was right at the end, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it was a stunt double. We didn't burn Maxine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's nice to know. But um, yeah. It was it was written that he was so nonchalant doing it, you know, that he didn't care one iota that they weren't they were sort of subhuman in the way he did it, you know. And uh 
Typically, and this came up in Toronto, it was like, mm. why didn't you save the day? And it's almost like, well, that's the Hollywood version, and you kind of didn't want to be it. Like, if Drew turns up and saves the day. We did have a version where we ran through the burning house at one stage. Tried to, yeah, but I think it was just more <laughs> truthful that they the girls had to save themselves, didn't they? Yeah, I kind of liked um, it. Yeah. Well, well, that was every sort of glimmer of hope, weirdly, wasn't yeah. it, right yeah, at the end? You know, that they... Oh, no, no. No, I didn't think. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what that's what I love that there was no natural ending in it. Thank you very much, everyone. Yeah, we'll stay.